Hello, and welcome to Romance is Dead to Me. This is a podcast where we read some random wild romances, and then we roast them until they're nice and crispy. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm the reading half of this duo, Rachel, and of course, here to judge me for what I'm reading, it is Murphy. The judging half. You're the judge, jury, and executioner. Especially the last one. <laughs> um as always we have some content warning so it, this is an explicit podcast it is not for children there will be sex and swearing and there's also gonna be spoilers for the book that we talk about so just get used to it also authors we love you we understand it takes a lot of work to publish a book please don't take anything of what we're about to say personally exactly we it's awesome that you published a book it sucks that you published a bad one so real quick before we get into this I do actually want to bring up like a little story and this is that originally for this podcast I had planned to read Den of Vipers and I don't know if anybody's read Den of Vipers out there but fucking hell it is dark (laughs) Murphy just to put it into perspective it's a dark reverse harem romance oh my god um and like let's just say I'm reading it for fun still right now just because like I was curious, and I just got to the part where they have a fivesome, so that's fun. Oh, yay. (laughs) But the whole reason I ended up deciding not to do that book was that it was so dark, like within the first 50 pages, there were so many things happening that it wasn't going to be good for a lighthearted, like comedic roasting podcast. Like it just wasn't going to work. Right, right. But like low-key, I'm enjoying it, so I don't know what it says about me as a person. (laughs) you're demented apparently um but if very dark and like twisted and demented and reverse harem is something that you're into i would definitely recommend den of vipers um just make sure that you look up all the trigger warnings first because like pretty much any trigger warning you could imagine it's in there somehow somewhere um yeah it's it's a rough it's a rough read not gonna lie well that sounds dark as hell yeah there were moments where i was like i don't think that I'll be able to get through this but then I just like continued on and yeah I'm I'm enjoying (laughs) I'm enjoying the dynamic between the characters that's like the not sexual part the sexual part is just like not into it but so I'm just kind of skimming right but anyway so now that that little story is over I let's introduce the book um Murphy have you ever hate read a book um, actually, no, because I like to spend my free time doing things I enjoy. <laughs> so the book that we're going to be talking about this week, my friend Mary actually was the one that originally started reading it. And Mary is going to be on our next episode, just FYI. So we're going to have fun there. Um, but she could not get through like the first chapter. Oh, my God. And I was like, well, I mean, this means it's going to be perfect for the podcast. So like, I have to take it and I have to read it. Exactly. And I was at work reading it, hating my life the entire time. Oh, no. Like, it was one of those books where I was like, I feel like I need to drink while I read this. And I don't usually drink while I read because I prefer to have, like, a straight head on. Right. Um, But, yeah, it was rough to get through. And the first probably probably 100 pages I was hate reading the entire time. Well, damn. Yeah. But this is um, the book we're going to be talking about today is called The Billionaire's Obsession by J.S. Scott. And this is actually the first book in a series. And, Murphy, guess how many books are in the series? I'm going to say a solid eight. There are 18. Holy shit. Yeah. The 18th book is coming out. I, th- I want to say September when I looked it up. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So it's a it's a wild ride, man. But uh, the one that we're going to be talking about today is obviously book one. 
And this was this book was originally published as five novellas. And so this today's episode is going to be all about the first three. The fourth and fifth came later, and they seem like they're just kind of like easy one shots. So I just skipped them. Right. Um, but if you have read them, listeners, and think they are absolutely amazing and necessary, please let me know. I can always read them, and we can do like a special follow up episode. Um, but anyway. Murphy, it is time to get to the synopsis so you can make your predictions. I got my pen and paper. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So the synopsis, which I'm looking at it, and I, I practiced reading the synopsis a few times without laughing, and I feel like you'll understand why I laugh here. Oh, um, so I'm just going to go through it, and I'm going to really try hard not to laugh. Will the reclusive, stubborn alpha billionaire be my rescuer? No! The biggest... <laughs> not the A word. <laughs> I don't like the A word. <laughs> I don't either. It's terrible. I don't like that word. I, don't, I hate it. Um, but <laughs> billionaire, be my rescuer, or the biggest mistake of my life. You could say I'm a nursing student who is definitely down on her luck. My entire life has been a struggle for me, but I'm almost through the hard times, nearly done with nursing school so I can build a better life than the one I was given. I'm so ready to move on from full-time waitressing to a professional nursing career until disaster strikes just as I enter the home stretch. Through no fault of my own, I'm about to be homeless and I'll end up kissing all my dreams goodbye unless some kind of wonderful surprise event occurs. Oh and, great, <laughs> and great things just don't happen to a girl like me. Unless an alpha billionaire wants <laughs> to fuck me. <laughs> Or so I thought, until a miracle shows up in the form of mysterious, stubborn, handsome, alpha billionaire Simon Hudson. Oh my god. I hate that you knew that. <laughs> I, it's predictable. Come on. <laughs> he makes me a bargain that's almost impossible not to accept when I'm looking at homelessness and giving up everything I've worked so hard to achieve. Is he trying to slut her out? <laughs> Is this prostitution? Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> Do I dare trust a wealthy, mysterious man that I mis- mystery man that I don't even know? No, girl, you don't. <laughs> Simon has secrets and hidden pain that inexplicably draws me to him. But once okay. I'm caught up, <laughs> what is with hidden pain fetish? <laughs> Why is every freaking book like he has a dark secret? Because people like tragic men i don't understand i want a like a golden retriever <laughs> dude that's what we, we need to find a book like that where the the man is just like a golden retriever <laughs> i don't want damage that's like a lot of work <laughs> um simon has secrets and hidden pain that inexplicably draws me to him but once i'm caught up in his web will he ever let me go no he won't he'll slut <laughs> you out girl so uh murphy let's do your prediction. all right predictions um i'm <laughs> gonna let's say... just get into it <laughs> There might be some hint of, like, prostitution. Like, maybe he's like, hey, if you have sex with me, I'll give you free rent. Or, like, you can stay with me if we fuck. Like, that type of thing. Okay, okay. Where it's not, like, blatant, like, I'm gonna pay you. I'm gonna pimp you out. But it's, like, you know. hmm You know. So, <laughs> that's my first prediction. Prostitution. Second prediction... Let's see. He's a he's what would the, what did it say? He has a dark secret or he has a dark side or um he has secrets and hidden pain. Hidden pain. Okay, he's got a dead wife. Um, he's got a dead <laughs> what is up with you and dead wives? 
Uh, I just think people, that's his hidden pain. He lost his wife in some tragic canoeing accident. Oh, my God. And or whatever billionaires do. (laughs) And since then, he has this hidden pain because he doesn't want to come across as a widow. Okay, okay. So he hides it. Okay. And then um, third prediction. I'm going to say... I'm going to say that it has a weird power dynamic. Because I think I can tell that from just the fucking synopsis. Because she's broke... And he's a billionaire. And I feel like that in itself is kind of uh, like a little creepy, a little toxic because it's like, like, I get it. If a billionaire came up to me and was like, yo, you want to be together? I'd be like, yes. But I also think I'd be a little bit taken advantage of because I'm broke. (laughs) So You know, it's funny. That's literally something I have in my notes to discuss later. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So like, I feel like you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Because, like, I get it. Everybody wants to date a billionaire. It solves all of our problems. But, like, it's a little fucked up, you know? It's a mm-hmm. little bit fucked up. So that's going to be my predictions. And then um, I'm going to say it's like a – I'm going to say a 5 out of 10 toxic. I'm going to go – I'm going to go for the milder side of things. Okay. Okay. I will – I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. So before we get – into the actual book and the plot and everything I do just want to give everybody a heads up like I'm very sniffly today and I'm going to try really hard to cut out all my like sniffles um but if you do hear something random in the background like that's that's what it is so just ignore me it's fine it's fine she'll recover it's fine it's been super super windy here in Vegas so my allergies are like off the wall so I'm not even really sick I'm just super congested and it's awful right terrible all right But let's get into the book. Um, And I do just actually really quick want to say this book has a dark moment in it. Um, It's a little bit darker than like last week's I feel like was not dark at all other than just like the toxicity of their relationship. Um, This book has a couple tiny little dark moments. So just heads up to everybody. This is not going to be like a cupcakes and sunshine book. Right. It's going to be a little uh, a little dramatic, a little dark. Exactly. Um, But so let's talk about our characters. We have our hero of the story. His name is Simon. He is a billionaire, obviously. He's a video game developer who grew up to poor parents. His dad was a drug addict and his mom worked odd jobs to keep them fed. Okay, wait, wait, wait. He's a video game developer? Yes. Okay, I kind of fucks with him. I know. He's kind of like low-key cool, to be honest with you. I kind of like that. I like his job. I think his job sounds pretty cool. Um, he was also traumatized by something in his past that we don't really know about. I mean, Dead we know wife about a canoe. <laughs> he has scars on his chest and abdomen, and he does not believe that a woman would be attracted to him because of that. Ooh, bear attack. <laughs> bear attack will canoe accident. Bear attack in the canoe. <laughs> he also does not believe that anyone would love him for anything more than his money. And he does not have relationships, more just transactions. Ooh, so I was correct. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say yes or no yet, but we'll get there. We'll get there. It's getting a little prostitution. <laughs> and then we have Kara. Kara is our heroine of the story. She's a dirt poor nursing student who works full time at a diner owned by Simon's mom. Interesting. She lost both of her parents in a car accident when she was 18, and she's been on her own ever since. She also does not like taking help from slash owing anybody. Fair. 
And she has had one boyfriend who cheated on her and told her that the reason why was because she was not good in bed. Oh, that's um sad. Yeah, like, dick move, because I can also see that happening in real life. So, like, what a piece of shit. Yeah, that's, like, such a bummer. Like, he basically, if I remember right, was like, oh, well, I had to go elsewhere to fulfill my needs because you weren't doing it. Ah, Like, piece of that's shit. That's bullshit. Yeah. Um, but then we have a couple side characters. Uh, we have Helen, who is Simon's mom. She owns the restaurant, Helen's Place, that Kara works at. She's really sweet and loves both her sons. Um, Simon has a brother that we'll get into in a second. And she also sees Kara as, like, her daughter. Cute. And um, then you have Sam, who is Simon's brother. And he's the other owner of the company that they, like, they dual own this company, essentially. He's a little bit of a jerk at times. Um, and he has a romantic past with Maddie, who is Kara's best friend interesting and then maddie is kara's best friend she's a doctor who volunteers a lot at like a free clinic and so kara oftentimes volunteers with her cool good for them yeah honestly like kara as a character i found her so much better than penny good citizens yeah like kara just has like i don't know what's the word common sense (laughs) she has like a brain exactly she like knows where she wants to be in life etc but so i i liked kara much more than i liked penny Right. Makes sense. But anyway, so I have this broken down into three parts um, because each novella obviously is separate. Um, So this is going to be for book one, which is called Mine for Tonight. Okay, prostitution. Okay, so let's just get into it here. Simon's a stalker. Oh. He has the penthouse across the street from the restaurant and can see Kara every night. And he's oh. been watching her walk home for a year now and following oh. her to oh. make sure that she gets there. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, like... Pump uh, the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to raise it to a 10 out of 10 toxic. And uh, the exact line is, he'd follow her at a distance, trying not to alarm her, and wait until she had let into her- herself into her apartment safely before he turned around and walked back home. Sir, there is no <laughs> need for that. if you would like to walk her home why don't you tell her hey uh i'm a little concerned for your safety can i walk you home honestly though like that's not a bad idea at all like just go like hey i happen to like work in or live in the penthouse across the street my mom owns the restaurant yeah i've noticed you walk home by yourself every night do you mind if i escort you like that wouldn't be weird. That it would be, be a very sweet thing to do. It no, you're a hundred percent right, and that's but I he had made not it that. so weird. Well, so then his inner monologue, like the entire time, is like super creepy and stalkerish, oh. but also like low key funny and a little bit offensive <laughs> because oh, God. one of the things he says is Simon had fucked women who were more attractive or more sophisticated, and not a single one of them had ever touched any of his emotions. Wow. And then there's also a line where she was close enough that he could see her features. The same face that haunted his wet dreams every night. Ew. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) I hate it so much. That's like really nasty. I hate it so much. Like He could have made it so wholesome and like sweet. But instead he decided to be a fucking pervert. Yeah, instead he's like, oh, the girl from Wet Dreams. (laughs) Like, ew. I hate it so much. Like, now do you see why I was hate reading this book? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, this is, like, what? The first 10 fucking pages? Yeah. That was page seven. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is Um, atrocious. Yeah. So, 
this is what I like to call my of course series of notes because every line starts with of course of course (laughs) so I'm just I'm gonna read it to you as it's written here right okay so of course she's dressed in a scandalous outfit tonight for some reason and it's a super short skirt and revealing skirt and revealing shirt which she's like oh like when she's thinking she's like I had she spilled coffee on herself which flashback from fucking last episode oh my god Uh, yeah but she had to borrow clothes from a classmate and this was all the classmate had so like whatever don't even care but like also it's a skirt and a shirt like it's not scandalous wait is she saying this or is he saying this he called it like scandalous okay slut shamer yeah and then she's like well and then she's just like constantly pulling the skirt down because like she's uncomfortable because it is very short but also like whatever uh moving on don't be a slut shamer (laughs) of course she faints in the middle of the road because she's getting over the flu and hasn't eaten all day well girl maybe eat breakfast of course simon is behind her and able to scoop her up and take her to his apartment yeah because he's oh no 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 (laughs) takes her to okay okay you see a stranger pass out what do you do if you're not a fucking weirdo <laughs> you call 911 yes or you know you call 911 honestly like there is no or yes who in the fucking right mind is like let me take them to my house yeah i mean a stalker who sees it as his opportunity that is so creepy like that is so freaking creepy of course, his neighbor is a doctor who can check her out. What? Of course, he refuses to let her go home and makes her stay the night to recover, to which the doctor supports him. Ew. Yeah, and so he has his assistant head over to his to her apartment to get some things for, like, an overnight bag. And then he puts her in the bedroom and, like, brings her soup and a sandwich, which is, like, suspension of disbelief and, like, ignoring the creepiness. Like, okay, whatever, kind of cute. No, then, because I'd be like, this bitch is trying to drug me. That oh, I didn't even consider that. I did not even. I, that is my that. first thought. I'm like, uh, what is in that fucking sandwich? Well, and that's the thing too is like, Kara the entire time she's just like, oh, this stranger's being so nice, and I'm like, he scooped what? you off the side of the road. <laughs> that is beyond creepy. and brought you into his home. Beyond creepy. Um, so the next morning, Kara wakes up and she remembers where she le- is and she gets ready to leave. She also realizes how attractive Simon is. And I, I have a highlighted note here for you. Oh, um, dear God, she needed to move away somewhere. She couldn't smell him, couldn't feel his heat and unsettling vibrations of sexual energy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. It's. it's Ew. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Simon informs her that she actually can't go back to the apartment because when his assistant went over there to grab her thing, she had been evicted. Ooh, okay. So this is when my red flag goes off. And like when I was reading it, I was like, he's rich. He probably bought the apartment building and had her evicted to get her to stay. Yeah. But it turns out that's not the case. Apparently the money she was giving her roommate to pay her rent was not actually going towards rent. Oh. So the roommate hadn't been paying the rent for the past three months. Dude, that then, actually happens to people. Like it does. And then not only that, but the roommate stole all her stuff and left. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. So like piece of shit roommate here. And yeah. so yeah, so it's just it's just rough. Poor Kara, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. Sorry, uh, girl. So she immediately, and this is where I'm like, 
I fuck with Kara. She immediately starts to make plans to find a homeless shelter with an opening because she's like, I got to figure this out. Like, homeless shelter. I thought you were going to say she's going to make plans to kill her roommate. (laughs) I mean, I would fuck with that too. I would fuck with that heavy. (laughs) Like, if the whole book just turned into like a revenge story, I'd be so down. I'd be so down. So anyway, she's making plans to find the homeless shelter, but Simon insists she just like she just stay with him until nursing school is over since she only has a couple months left. Okay, that is so fucking weird. Yeah, so she she refuses at yeah. first, but Good eventually girl. she gives in because Simon's like pretty pushy about it. Ew. And Simon's like Simon's also like, oh, by the way, like my mom owns your restaurant. So like it's not it's not super creepy that I know like what you're doing with your life. And I'm like, right. but it is though. It is. But it is. Exactly. Yes. So um, Simon has one condition with her moving, th- with her living there. Oh God. And it's that she doesn't work while she's there, so she can focus on school because she's been working herself to death, and he wants her to be able to take a break. He wants her to be able to fuck. I mean, yeah, he wants her to have energy. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Girl, this is bad. He even puts money in her bank account. Like he gives her like a hundred K and is like, just buy whatever you need, buy whatever you want. And like excuse me? I I literally I have a note and I'm just gonna read you the note I have on this. And it's as creepy as it is, how many people do you think fantasize about this happening to them? Right. Like I can't lie and say it wouldn't be nice. Yes, but red flags galore. Galore. (laughs) Galore. Um so anyway, Kara agrees, and they end up, she moves into the guest room in his penthouse apartment, which is, like, 5,000 square feet. So, like, honestly, like, they don't even have to see each other while she's there. Uh, so after a bit, she insists on paying him back somehow. Uh, how? Um, Student event- loans? Eventually, he tells her she can pay him back in one way. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't like this at all. <laughs> You in my bed one night, anything I want, anything I need. Uh, <laughs> ew. Ew. And then she gets uh, so turned on by that offer. Turned on? <laughs> yep. That they do a little uh, hanky panky in the kitchen. Oh my God. And by hanky panky, I mean like hand stuff. Like they don't go any farther than that. But, uh, but yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. Um, and then major you. <laughs> then there's also I have a note here. Hold on. I feel like we need an you counter. Oh, and then afterwards, when they're done with doing the little hanky panky with the fingers, he goes, "She goes, oh God, what in the hell was that?" And she panted as Simon closed her robe and pulled her sagging body against his. Ew. Ple- pleasure, just a taste of what we could have in bed. Ew. Thanks. I hate it. Do people like? I don't understand people. I, I don't get it. I'm like, it be, what? Like, you'd read this for funsies? <laughs> like, you don't hate read this? What? Yeah, like, you're not, like, disgusted by this. You're like, <laughs> oh, this is a good book. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, Moving on, because I can't stay on that topic for long. Yeah, please. Kara discovers that Simon... So time, a couple days go by, and Kara discovers that Simon is actually the game developer behind her favorite video game, and that he is working on the sequel. So they start to bond over, like, how her trying to learn how to play it, and, like, giving him feedback, but also, like, complaining about differences between the first two games. And, like, 
I kind of liked these interactions, to be honest with you. Yo, if any Dragon Age developer wants to marry me, hit me up. <laughs> right? You're like, I'll be your game tester. And I am down. <laughs> um, but they, during all this, they start to talk and get to know each other. And already they have way more character development than Penny and James. Good for them. And Kara admits to him that she finds him very attractive, stars and all. And while he's I know. And while he is surprised, he likes it. Well, no shit. Yeah, like, of course, you're like, wait, you like my scar? Like, of course. Like, this is a guy who's very insecure about his scars. And she's right. like, yeah, I don't I don't care. And, like, granted, all she's seen is, like, a small scar on his face. But she's like, dude, you could be, like, fucked up under your shirt. And I wouldn't care. Like, I still find you attractive. You want to know a funny little side story? What? One time a guy told me that he really liked that I was unconventionally attractive. How mean is that? <laughs> is that an insult? He mentioned it as a compliment. And I was like, um, excuse me? Like, what, <laughs> like, is that, what does that even mean? It means I'm unconventionally attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, so eventually she agrees to the one night with him because, of course, of course, well, she already like hit it. Exactly. She's like, might as well go all the way. Might as well see that dick. Might as well. But so Simon actually. So this is where we start learning. Simon has a little bit of like a control issue. Oh, uh, of course. Because he ties her to the bed with a blindfold on because he doesn't want to see her to see his scars. Mm. And it's also alluded that having the other person tied up is really the only way that he can enjoy sex. Ooh, red flag. Yeah. Um, of course, they both love their sexy time and they have mind-blowing sex. Listen, here's the thing. This is not a kink-shaming podcast. This is a dynamic-shaming podcast. <laughs> and we're going to shame the fuck out of that dynamic. <laughs> well, actually, you'll find out later why it makes sense. I'll, I'll tell you that. Because his wife died in a canoeing accident. Sure, sure. <laughs> And now he has to tie people to his bed. <laughs> so they don't drown. <laughs> oh my god. He's like, this is for your safety. <laughs> Just in case there's a flood. <laughs> Just in case. The sprinklers go off. Oh my god. <laughs> but there's a there's a line here that says she tasted like women in need. Ew. I'm sorry, like, what does need taste like? What does woman taste like? <laughs> like, okay, you cannibal. <laughs> right. He's like, he's like mm, the lovely taste of woman in need. <laughs> woman. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, weirdo. But anyway, so back on track because we're getting a little woo-woo here. Kara is disappointed that he takes her to her own room afterwards instead of wanting to cuddle slash sleep together. Um, it's made pretty obvious that he's not comfortable sleeping next to another person. God, typical woman wants <laughs> to bond. Wants to cuddle. You fucking bitch. But she becomes determined to help him through whatever has traumatized him and not to push him. Okay, nursing major. <laughs> Dude, do you think this would have worked out between them if... She was like, I don't know, like, no hate to nursing majors. I think you guys are so important, so valid. But, but (laughs) the the big but here, um, she's the personality type for this relationship. 
Well, not only that, but like, you have to be a certain kind of person to be a nurse. Yeah. And I feel like in a way, not every nurse, you know, but in a way you're willing to put up with a lot because you like fixing things. Yes. So I feel like she's like, let me put up with all this shit because I can fix him. I I would agree with that. I, would agree I can with that. fix him. Do you think this the relationship would have worked out if she was like a communications major? <laughs> no. <laughs> Back to communications from last week. <laughs> she's like, yo, this is fucked up. Right. She's like, um, we need to communicate here and she's you like, need to tell me what's I going on. I can't fix him. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So that is the end of book one. Now we are moving on to book two, which is called Mine for Now. And this picks up the morning after they have sex to Simon realizing that he has feelings for Kara. Not that he didn't really know that already. I mean, in the first chapter, he straight up admitted he was obsessed with her. So, like, yeah, that's fucked. But he goes to talk to her because she's not home. And when he finally texts her, she just says, I'm at the police station. I'll explain later. Because that's not, like, hella cryptic. Yeah, you shouldn't say that. Like, I'm at the police station. I'll talk to you. Like, like what? That's, like, not... Um, like a good way to communicate like at least be like everything's fine yeah everything's fine just had to run to the police station i'll explain later just had to get a restraining order against you (laughs) or just or even then just be like everything's fine running errands we'll talk later like you know yeah like why do you have to drop that you're at the police station like yeah like (sighs) if you're not gonna explain right then maybe don't say it Dude, if you were to text me, like, I'm at the police station, I'll explain later, I'd be blowing up your phone. Like, you are yeah, not explaining later, like, you will explain now. Exactly. You'd be like, um, no, you are yeah, not like, explaining you do, later. You do not get to say that and then just go to, like, what? Yeah, no, that's messed up, for sure. So, of course, he doesn't wait for her, so he heads down to the police station. Turns out, she is there because she was volunteering at her friend Maddie's clinic, when two gunmen stormed into the clinic looking for drugs. Oh, God. She's there to look at mugshots because she's the only one that got a good look at them. And I will say, I do, I wish this scene had been in the book. And she basically just explains it to the reader while she's sitting at the station. But, like, that just kind of screams lazy writing to me or cut for time. Right. Like, it seems like that scene might have been written, but then just yanked out because, like, the author was like, oh, in order to be in a novella, we have to be under a certain page count. Right, Yeah. Um, so anyway, she's at the station waiting to answer when Simon bursts in <laughs> and is like, he literally, hold that. I'll read you. I'll read you his little introduction because it's who the hell shot at her. A bellowing male voice came from the, from the door and Kara didn't even have to turn around to know exactly who stood there. Oh my God. A but bellowing like... male voice. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Maybe. <laughs> um, He's super worried about her, but also like, so he comes in and he's like super worried. He's also basically jumping down the detective's throat when he gets too close to her. Ew, like, chill. I don't like that. It's uh, I have a quote here and it's, is that really necessary? Simon snarled, his arm curling around Kara's waist, pulling her body against him protectively. Oh my God. Yeah. Like he, and this is, and he's, saying this, he's saying this to the detective. So I'm like, dude, um, be polite what? at least. <laughs> yeah. You're the, what? Like, the detective has any fucking in- weird intention. Like, what? Like, the detective's literally, like, sitting next to her showing That's her That's, like, cut. his job to be, like, caring and empathetic. Exactly. Exactly. Weirdo. So, it's also revealed here that Maddie has a past where she dated Sam, which is Simon's brother. 
And I feel like there's a plot hole here because I feel like if she really had dated Sam and she's best friends with Kara, why has Kara never run into Simon or Sam before? Yeah. Or not only that, but just like Kara works at their mom's restaurant. Why has she never run into them before? Like he's never visited his mom at work. I think at one point she asked that and he's like, oh, I always just sneak in through the back door to look at uh, to peek into her office. But like, I'm sorry, you You never never ordered take out yeah. from the restaurant across the street and stop in to say, your, say hi to your mom you you go in the back door and she's never seen you like she goes back there too yeah yeah i don't know just i smell a big pothole here and it don't make sense yeah i agree but anyway so simon takes her out to italian food on the way home because like i mean let's be real here there's no better comfort food than pasta like oh yeah and while they're eating he opens up about how he doesn't believe that a woman would like him for anything more than his money and that he's used to being used and Kara basically tells them that he's being ridiculous. Thank and, God. And she's finally able to get through to him that she doesn't give a shit about any of that. She likes him for him. Well, okay. Yeah. So they go home and they end up having sex on the couch, which is a pretty big moment for him because she's not like her hands aren't tied. Um, oh, wow. He de- so he's not being super creepy for once. So he does ask to go to the bedroom, but she insists on the couch and she arranges herself in a way so that like he can hold her hands down and away from him. Okay, weirdo. And I kind of, I have a note in here, and I, I don't, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I kind of appreciated this because she is forcing him out of his comfort zone, but she's taking it slow and trying to be like as accommodating and understanding as possible. Well, I can, yeah, I can understand it, but I just think it's a little weird that he's like, I don't know, I just yeah. think it's a little like, why do you want to tie women up? Yeah, but like again, that's something that like we just haven't got to yet. Yeah, like you'll discover that later. And it'll all all make sense. Um, So the next day, she heads to the restaurant to catch, to chat and catch up with Helen, who's the mom. And also, the driver drives her to the restaurant. What? Do you see see the flaw in that? Yeah, he lives across the street. Yeah, so why is the driver driving her to the restaurant? That's weird. Whatever. Maybe the writer forgot that it's across the street. Maybe she's just a princess now and can't walk across the street. I don't know. Right. Um, But there is a... um, there's a casual use of daddy. No. So he sends her a text that's everything okay. And she returns a text. Yes, daddy. All is well. No. <laughs> if you do that. Yeah. I'm like, fully kink shaming here. And here's the thing. That's the only time that like the word daddy is ever brought up in the book. So that's why I was like, it's a casual use. No, don't casually use the word daddy. Oh, God yeah um but anyway so she sits down with helen and throughout the whole conversation she's basically just insisting that the two are just friends and nothing is going on but helen says that she's never seen simon this happy and she also alludes to some shitty things in his childhood but none of it's really explained but also like we kind of knew that already right and of course simon's birthday is tomorrow and of course kara's birthday is the day after that oh my god so kara comes home and sees Runs into Simon coming out of the shower. She sees him without a shirt on for the first time. And he's insecure, but she reassures him and gives him a little BJ. Because nothing nothing, self, nothing says self-confidence, like getting a nice little BJ. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> and so then that's, we skip forward to the next night is the birthday party that Sam hosts every year for Simon. And they have a quickie in the elevator on the way to the car. Ew. And it's like they literally like stop the elevator, and it's like, what if other people need to use that elevator? 
Yeah, that's very inconsiderate of you. It is. But at this point, I also just want to point out there is something that frustrated me like all throughout the book, but up until this point as well. But it's her constant inner monologue insisting that like nothing is going to come from this, like as far as like a serious relationship. What? Like, I feel like, okay, this is not to be like mean, but I feel like, like, especially girls do the opposite where they're like, like they hook up and they're like oh my god we're soulmates <laughs> like, right well it's so she is i'm like dude he's super protective over you you guys are like obviously hitting it off in like more ways than just sexual you know what i mean yeah like he yeah no but literally there's this there's this little paragraph i have highlighted here and it's how much longer could she do this how much longer could she hide the powerful and sometimes painful emotions that simon wrung from her her brain which had always ruled her life and her heart were in conflict she knew that nothing more than a casual sexual relationship and friendship would ever exist between her and this incredible man who was holding her as if she was the most important person of his in his life still she wanted him how pathetic was that like i don't understand why she thinks that nothing's gonna come from it yeah that's weird I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, but anyway, so at the party, they meet Sam. She meets Sam for the first time. And Simon, Simon has like a gross attraction to her while she eats. At one point, he tells her, watching you eat is almost an erotic experience. Ew. And will food always be an orgasmic experience for you? Ew, 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 ew. Like, granted, she's used to being poor and going hungry, so, like, I'm sure she's, like, really savoring everything, but also, like, those comments are not necessary. But also, like, it's food. Exactly, like, who doesn't love food? I love food. Everybody loves food. It's like, everybody loves Raven. Everybody loves food. Everybody loves food. Everybody enjoys food, so stop shaming her for enjoying it. Yeah, that's weird. (laughs) Stop getting turned on. That's re- if someone like, was turned on by me eating, I would never eat in front of them. I, I would exactly. I would never eat in front of that person again. I would like hide in a closet. I even if it was like my literal husband, I'd be like, "You're a fucking freak." Right? I'd be like, oh, "We can't have dinners together anymore." I'm sorry, honey. I see. I see your boner. Goodbye. <laughs> um. But so anyway, after all that, they get separated, and Kara sees a woman telling Simon that she's heard about his arrangements, and she has her eye on the diamond bracelet. Then this woman kisses him. Ew. So, like, some some fish is going on. Am I wrong? But also, like, is it, like, consensual? I mean, so she walked up to him and was like, I've heard about your little arrangements. Like, I have a diamond bracelet I've had my eye on. And then she just, like, kisses him. Was he into it? Or was he? No, like, he was not. But Kara, but Kara didn't notice that. Kara just noticed the fact that, like, the lady was kissing him. Oh. Well, girl... Use context clues. Yeah. So she's like obviously like freaked. So she goes outside to get some air and she runs into Sam. And this is when, remember when I said Sam was kind of a jerk at times? Yeah. Sam goes, whatever my brother is giving you, I'll give you more if you come to me when he's finished with you. Oh, I don't like that. And then when she's like. This book makes me feel icky. (laughs) (laughs) And then when she's like, like, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, I'll pay whatever you want, however much you want. Why is this so heavy on the prostitution? Like, low-key, but also I feel like, is this just how billionaires work because they think they can just buy people? Well, honestly, yeah, probably. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But she slaps him. Good. And then she leaves and she gets the driver to take her home. Good. So, later Simon gets home looking for her, but he just finds a goodbye note. And his inner monologue reveals that she he actually punched Sam after finding out what he said to Kara and he assumes that that is why she left so upset. He doesn't know that, like, 
he saw the kiss. His inner monologue. Because that's like, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Like his inner thoughts. Yeah. His, and this is, again, this is another scene I would have liked to actually see instead of just hearing about him. Like show don't tell. You know what I mean? Right. For so sure. This is, this is another scene that I feel like probably was cut for time. Probably. Um, but he also finds a birthday present that Kara left for him. Kara knows that he, like, is a coin collector, so she leaves him, like, a really nice coin that her dad had held on to, and it's, like, this really sweet, um, little moment, but... If you're listening to this, never, ever give someone you're dating a family heirloom. That is so 100% true. Like, you... I get it. You, you really like them. You think it's sweet. Don't fucking do it. Exactly. Like, it's a family heirloom. They are not your family. It is an important thing that you need to hang on to. And the thing is, like, there's no guarantee that if things go wrong, you get it back. They might throw it off a cliff. Like, at least I feel like if you're married and you give somebody an heirloom, at least in the divorce, you can kind of negotiate for the return of that heirloom. Right. But, but like, there's no negotiations when it comes to breakups. No, you're just like, okay, fuck you. I'm out. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so previously, Simon had arranged for security to follow her after the whole shooting incident. And he calls the security and finds out that she actually went to stay with Maddie. Um, but instead of going after her, he chooses to give her space, which honestly, like I can I can say that that, that is a smart decision. Good choice. You fucking yes. weirdo. Good choice. Because, you know, some books would be like, oh, I, ha- I went to her right away. And no, she needs time. She needs like she clearly space. doesn't want to fucking see you right now. Exactly. Just let her be. Leave her be. Um, so we do a little bit of a time jump here. And Kara is still staying with Maddie looking for a job. But no one really wants to hire a waitress that is going to graduate and leave in a couple months. Right. But also, also like, why are you telling them you're in nursing school? Don't say that shit. Yeah. Exactly. Keep it up below. Exactly. And Simon has tried multiple times to get her to come back. But she hasn't. She's kind of just been either saying, like, no or just completely ignoring him. Okay. So while she's out on these interviews, she runs into Sam, who wants to talk and apologize for his drunken behavior. Um, He admits that he didn't realize how much she meant to Simon and that he's never seen Simon like this before. Okay. When she tells Sam that the main reason she left was because he saw him with the lady, Sam explains that Simon didn't even consider his offer. One, he doesn't sleep with married women. But two, he's so involved with Kara that he wouldn't even look at anyone else. Sweet, surprisingly. Yes. So this whole conversation, by the way, I will point out, it's also to redeem Sam and set him up the sequel because the sequel is the love story between him and Maddie. Oh. So I feel like the author was like, oh, people can't hate Sam at the end of this book. Right. <laughs> She's like, we got we to redeem him somehow. Yeah, but like, ew. yeah. But so Kara accepts Sam's apology and says that Simon is, and I quote, hot enough to melt glaciers in Antarctica. Ew. And I hate that. I really hate that too. That is so cringy to me. It's very, it's very like, um, well, I'm gonna offend people here, but that's very millennial. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very millennial thing to say. It, it's, it feels. You're right though. It feels very like Tumblr esque. Like, uh, my roommate has this mug that says uh, "Tears of my enemies," and I went, "Yep, she's a millennial." Oh, a hundred percent. That's so like Tumblr esque. That is very Tumblr esque. Yes. <laughs> like, that's... is your roommate a millennial? I'm sure she is. I haven't asked, but. <laughs> Um, but moving on, as she's walking back to Maddie's, two men attack her and try to kidnap her. What? What? Okay. Why? Okay. Keep going. 
She fights back, but in the process is hurt when they smash her head against a car several times. Ooh. Turns out they are the gunmen from the clinic who basically want her dead because she can't identify them. Okay. If someone wants drugs, they're not going to go that far. Exactly. Well, and then my thing is, like, they're on the hook right now for, like, burglary, but they want to be on the hook for, like, kidnapping slash murder? Um, say, uh, just because you're on drugs doesn't mean you're a fucking psycho. Literally. Um, but Sam ends up hearing her scream, and he is able to save her with the help of two security guards that were trailing her. They manage to take down one of them, but the other gets away. And this book ends with her follow- falling unconscious in the street. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, like, that's happening. And that happened. Um, cause, you this know, is we exhausting. Have, like, we ha- Dude, picture me reading it, okay? <laughs> this is... I'm exhausted from cringing so much, I think, is what it is. Yes. But anyway, so this is book three, which is Mine for Forever. Mine Forever. And so Kara wakes up in the hospital with Simon sitting next to her. Her memories are foggy, but she remembers telling him that he loves her. And what? Telling, telling him that she loves him. Right. <laughs> and throwing up on him because she's concussed. Oh, my God. Because, you know, there's nothing sexier than throwing up on a man and he doesn't care. And he doesn't fucking care. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but Simon insists on her coming home with him and says, and I quote, you're never leaving me again. Ever. Ew. He also reveals to her that he had been following her home for a year. No! Because he's weirdly drawn to her. And I'm going to let you guess here what Kara's reaction to that is. Oh my god, I bet she's like, that's so sexy. She's like, oh, you're like my guardian angel. Ew. <laughs> Which I feel like is even worse. I don't like this. Why are we normalizing stalker behavior? I'm getting a headache. <laughs> After this reveal, she agrees to go back home with him. Which, like, I'm not even going to touch on that because, like, it's a whole thing. It's a whatever. One of the first nights back home, she has a nightmare about being kidnapped and assaulted, and he hears her screaming from the other room. He runs in, comforts her, and brings her back to his room where they spend the night together after some sexy time. Um, this is obviously a big step for him because, like, they spent the night together. But right. I do want to say, after I have a dream about getting assaulted, I, I really was just doubt. About to say. I really, really doubt I would want to have sex. I would be like, please do not touch me at but all. But she's she's literally just like, make love to me, Simon. <laughs> and I which I hate that I hate the phrase make love anyway. Oh yeah. But weirdos. No, like it's just so weird. But afterwards, Kara asked to finally find out what happened to him. And while he does try to tell her, he ultimately can't. She says that's fine, but but she quote, can't make love with him until he trusts her enough to tell her what happened. Okay, that's kind of fucked up. I it is, but I I actually have a note about this. It could have been so much worse in that she's like, well, I'm not gonna have sex with you until you tell me because I want to know. So like, at least she's making it about trust. Is like, hey, until you can trust me, I don't want to continue our physical relationship. Like, I want to work on like our trust first. But like, I don't know. I feel like that's just kind of like manipulative. It is. It is. But I still feel like it could have been worse. It could have been worse, but, like, we're not going to give her a point for that. No, you're 100% right. But I literally have a note here that's, like, props to her for not being worse. <laughs> like, uh, does that exactly. make sense? Exactly. Um. So at work the next day, Sam has a heart-to-heart with Simon and tells him that he obviously loves Kara, so why can't he trust her? And Simon begins to open up to the idea when he realizes that by looking at the flowers on his assistant's desk, it's Valentine's Day. Because of course it is. Of course. Let's so, go. 
And this scene I actually really loved. Simon knows nothing about Valentine's Day for some reason because he's an adult male in society and he apparently has never experienced Valentine's Day before. Jesus. Um, so he like goes to his assistant and his secretary and is like, I need help. Like, what do I do? Um, and so they just give him suggestions like what women like essentially. Right. Which like, I don't, I personally don't like Valentine's Day. I don't know how you feel. I think it's super commercialized. And like, why are you bringing me flowers on a, the on Valentine's Day? Because the company told you to and not just bringing me flowers on like a random day right like i get it i think valentine's day is cute i love like the decorations but like it's weird i don't know i think i told you what michael and i do which michael's my husband by the way listeners um we end up just picking out like a recipe that we've never tried before and we cook a recipe together for dinner instead of going out or like making a big deal over it right and it's just like yeah we make it like a date night but also like nothing special like we would do that on a regular night too right but anyway, so Simon comes home. <laughs> I forgot about this next part. Hence, hence why I'm giggling. But Simon comes home from work to find Kara masturbating in Ew. the bathtub. Say, saying his name out loud. Okay. One, you never mind. <laughs> it's just weird to me. <laughs> like... My thing is, how do you not hear him coming? Yeah. Like, and because it didn't say, like, oh, she had music going or, oh, the water was running. Like, how do you not hear, like, the door open, footsteps walking in, the bathroom door open? Like, I just, I don't get it. Right. But anyway, so he joins her in the bathtub and decides that now is the time to open up about his past. Are you ready? Yeah. Um, Listeners, pretty obvious warning, but there is some violence coming up, just FYI. So, long story short. Simon and Sam grew up poor, which we knew. Their dad was hooked on drugs, and their mom worked odd jobs just to survive. His dad owed money to some really bad people, but died before he could pay them back. Meanwhile, a girl who lived next door and also had a very troubled life was friends with Simon, but they grew apart when she started selling herself to help with the bills. The guys that Simon's dad owed money to were obviously upset that they would never get paid, so they retaliated by threatening the girl to kill Simon or Sam, or they would kill her family. The girl shows up to Simon's house and Simon is the one home and like the horny teenage boy that he is she he has no red flag when he suddenly when she suddenly wants to have sex with him while she's on top she stabbed him multiple times and left him for dead Ooh. Simon's mom came home shortly later to find him on his bed in a pool of his own blood and I do just want to have a side note his pants were, were back on thank god when she found him <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you imagine god I love um, how the author wrote that in. Like, thank God. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because you know his readers, we were thinking it too. Right. Um, but he barely survived, and the cops found the girl dead in an alley a few days later with a suicide note in her pocket. Jeez. So all of this obviously explains why Simon is uncomfortable having sex with people who are quite literally, like, not, like, people have to be tied up. Because, like, I would, I'd be traumatized too after that. Well, yeah, but, like, yeah, I guess. Like, it just... It makes sense. I'll give a dog a bone. Yes, it makes sense. Um, but like, I don't know. I <laughs> guess it's, yeah, I guess it's just me. But like, that would be my opener to every conversation. Like, what? hi, um, this girl that I had sex with stabbed me a bunch of times. What? You would actually tell people that like all the time? Absolutely. I would tell my employer. I would tell everybody oh my god i just think it's like why be ashamed of it you know yeah that's true 
like That's true this crazy thing happened to you be glad you're alive but also like he was a teenager at the time he's like 16 and like you know 16 year olds are embarrassed about anything and everything but he's older now yeah maybe he just hasn't gone to therapy <laughs> like maybe he needs some good therapy well i just think it's like i don't know i would brag about that shit <laughs> you're like i had sex and then i got stabbed because i'd I'm be a like badass. i almost died and i fucking <laughs> did it <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> that's just me. Okay, that's just you, Murph. That's just that's you. Just me. Anyways, after this reveal, they're obviously like closer than ever, and Simon takes her into the kitchen for his Valentine's Day surprise. He got her like the counters are covered in literally everything: right. candy, teddy bear, flowers, balloons, cookies, etc. Turns out, when his assistant and secretary were making these suggestions, he thought that they meant get her everything and not just like oh pick out a couple things. Oh, yeah. So he basically went to the store and cleared them out of anything Valentine's Day related. Yeah. Oh, my God. Which I think is kind of cute and, like, how stupid are you? (laughs) Cute in a nasty billionaire type of way. Right. Like, how out of touch are you with reality, sir? No shit. Yeah. But Kara is touched and tells him that she loves him and she gives him her own gift. She gives him silk boxers with little devils on them. Oh, fun. And pieces of paper that she calls heart wishes. Each one is good for one wish or favor that he wants from her. Okay, you fucking five-year-old. Right, like, it, it did remind But she she was like, I don't want to spend your own money on, like, a gift for you. Like, that just seems stupid. Which, like, I, I can respect that. Right. And this dumbass uses a wish to get her naked. Oh, my God. But, like, we all know she would have done it. Right, <laughs> so just right. a wish. Yeah, she would have been like, let me strip for you. But anyway, so he finally tells her that he loves her, and they end up having sex with her on top this time. But she's being very careful to make sure that he is comfortable the entire time. Okay, nice. And, oh, and by the way, we find we find out that the police caught the other guy who tried to kidnap Kara. So the storyline is very neatly wrapped up, a little, a little too neatly, if you ask me. But what do, right. what do, what do I know? What, exactly. What the fuck do you know, Rachel? <laughs> And then finally, on to the epilogue. For Kara's spring break, Simon insists on taking her anywhere in the world that she wants to go. She picks Disney World, even though they live in Florida. But she picks it because she's never been. She's never had the chance to go. And honestly, like, I think it's kind of a cute destination. Right. That is sweet. Yeah. Like, he's over here thinking, like, South Africa, Italy, China. And she's like, can we just go to Disney World? right like, like um i just want to go to disney world and like have a good time exactly i just want to see mickey mouse yeah i just want to see mickey mouse exactly so as they're getting ready to go out to dinner he proposes by using his last heart wish and she says yes on the condition Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. what that's like a little manipulative <laughs> like i get it like obviously she can say no like <laughs> but like my last wish is that you marry me. Like, okay, I have to. Like, oh my gosh. I mean, you're not wrong. But so she she agrees on the condition that they have a long engagement because she wants their relationship to continue to grow before they get married. And I I can respect that. I I have full respect for long engagements, and I think they're really good for some people. Absolutely. Make sure you live together. Oh, 100%. Do not get married before you live together. Absolutely not. Yeah. And then the story ends with what I think is the cheesiest line. And it sounds like a kindergarten. Like, and this was the lesson we learned today. But the line is, Simon learned that compromise wasn't bad at all. And that being easy could be a very, very good thing. Well, I guess moral of the story. 
moral of the story is if you want to get a girl fuck a billionaire if no if you want to get a girl be a billionaire stalker and kind of prostitute her out (laughs) so yeah so that's the story um real quick i have of course the random quotes that i found that just wouldn't fit into my timeline right um and so i always have fun with these because i feel like i can just highlight anything and then later on we like go through and just laugh our asses off right love it um so one is so oh, so while they're at the Italian restaurant, she's like, I'm going to drink, but promise me I'm not going to get naked and dance around. And he goes, and I definitely promise that you will not dance on the table unless it's at home in a private performance. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what? Like, that's weird as fuck. Imagine your husband being like, get on the table. Get on the table and get naked and dance for me. That's so weird. Um, and so then another one I have is when he when he's eating his pasta, she goes, maybe he needed it to fuel that big, sinewy, sculpted body that never failed to leave her panting like a dog after a tempting treat. Okay, what? <laughs> I'm offended for dogs. I'm offended for video game developers. <laughs> I think you guys are probably not ripped, and that's beautiful. <laughs> ripped people are very overrated. Uh, here's another one. She threaded her fingers through his hair, and their eyes collided as she tipped his head back. Oh my god! Do you see? Do you see the problem? How do your boat? eyes collide? Like, Thank you. ow! Thank you. Can you imagine smashing your eye against Thank someone else's? You. Oh my god! Thank you. I'm ow. so. Um, and then I also have another one. It's Kara let out a breath she hadn't realized she was holding. I hate that line. There's so <laughs> many fucking stories. Like that's the thing that happens, but like it's overdone. Oh, it's a hundred percent overdone. It's so overdone. Um, so my final thoughts about this book are it was definitely ridiculous. Um insane. Part like parts of it were major red flags. However, I think it's because I was coming straight off of the Penny and James romance from Temptation, I think was what it was called. Right. I found their relationship refreshingly mature compared to that and they were open and communicative compared to that relationship so I think because of that and because I was coming straight off of that other book I enjoyed it more than I regularly would have right it 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 was bad but it wasn't I think it was better it was better than the last book for sure yeah it was better than the last book and like it had its moments where it was like okay it's a little bit self-aware Exactly. And we had actual character development. We had actual conversations between two characters that weren't just like all about sex. Right. Um, and then I do, this is the note I told you about earlier, where I do want to touch about like the power dynamic between billionaire men and poor women. Because well, even just, gender reversed, like for exactly. real. Like, the it's rich just person, like... At the end of the day, the rich person is always going to have the power because picture, here's my thing, picture like the poor person trying to get away. The billionaire has all the funds, all the resources in the world to, like, track them down and hunt them yeah. down. And it's, like, remember when I was, like, oh, Carrie got evicted and my first thought was Simon bought her apartment. That well, like, is something that 100% like, could have happened. He literally, like, hired people to, like, follow her around and shit. Like, exactly. That's super creepy. And, like, you wouldn't be able to do that if you had money or if exactly. you didn't have money. So I think in any billionaire romance in general there's going to be a power dynamic that you and i especially have a problem with because like that's just how it is absolutely and i'm sure it happens in real life too right but i will say again 
how many people fantasize about being swept off your feet by a billionaire and never having to work a day in your life right like fair I get it I get why there's romance books about it but exactly so I I do think that's just like that's just a dynamic that if we do continue to read like more books like the billionaire um not series but just like sub-genre of romance like that's just a trope we're gonna have to contend with and like be okay with not be okay with but just like understand it's gonna be there you're right um, but yeah, so that those were my thoughts on this book. Um, do you have any thoughts, Murphy? Um, I'm really sad that there wasn't a canoeing accident. <laughs> um, I think what happened was much darker and like kind of sad. Like, you know, that's just fucked up. Um, yeah. But like, I do think it is very toxic just because of the dynamic mm-hmm. and the fact that he was stalking her. Yeah, I would like, say like, I would say like four out of ten toxicity. No, I would say at least seven out of ten for well, stalking. I mean, yeah, but James and Penny were eight, and I for feel like they're stalking. I feel like they're nowhere near. So we're just gonna let stalking slide now. Okay, okay, you're right, you're right. Um, like, you I'll... get what I'm. It's weird. Like I get like the rest of the story. He was okay. He was yeah. fine. Yeah, but like I can't get over initial stuff. Like that is fucking weird. Because at the end of the day, like you're not wrong in that. Like at the very beginning, you were like he could have made it like not creepy at all. Yeah, he could have been like, "Hey, my mom wants the restaurant. I'm a little worried about you walking home alone. Are you cool with me walking you home?" So... And that would have been endearing as hell. So I'll compromise. I will say we'll go, my score at least is like 7 out of 10, but then declines as the story goes on. I think it was moving in the right direction as the story goes right. on. Right, like maybe at first 7 out of 10, by the end 4 out of 10. Yeah, like four, three, four, even. Like I would even give them like a 3.5, honestly, because they seemed to have like really good communication by the end and like really good partnership almost. Right, I was wrong about the dead wife. You were also, wrong about like, the dead you wife. You tell me their ages. Um, I want to say he was like 29 or like early 30s and she was like 25. I was kind of assuming they were both or he was both older at least. Um, yeah. And he's a little older, but not by much. Like that's not really important, which is why I but didn't think I was it. dead on about the prostitution. Oh, 100 percent. As soon as you said that, dead when you made that prediction, I died. I was like, Whoa. which like, to be fair, it wasn't like a hard prediction to make. But yeah come on like I was dead on so, so you got you got that one for sure um, so I got one out of well I got two out of three because what was your last one power dynamic oh yeah so you, you two out of three dude you did really good hell yeah so you did, you did very good that book made me feel icky <laughs> You're like I need to go take a bath I need to go shower and like <laughs> to wipe all the ick off wipe all the ick off maybe stand in the rain for a little bit <laughs> is it raining there yeah, it's pouring. Ugh, I want it to rain here. It's like a hundred degrees here today. Oh, I know. Cool. We're gonna we're gonna go swimming later though, so it's okay. Oh, fun. But anyway, so if you liked that episode, uh, and oh, and again, I don't even know if I said the author's name. This was Billionaire's Obsession by J.S. Scott. It is the first book in the Billionaire series, which again, there's eighteen. The eighteenth <laughs> one comes out this fall. Wait, is um, it all about the same people? No. Each, okay, each one follows a different billionaire in a different part of the world or a different okay. part of the country, except for I Sam. I fuck with that. Yeah. So honestly, this is a series that I feel like we definitely could re- retouch later on. Um, obviously not for a little while because we have so many other genres to get through. Like, I don't right. want to repeat a genre until we hit every genre. Right. Um, but yeah, so if you liked that, this episode of the podcast um you can follow us on instagram at romances dead to me we also now have our gmail account up and running so if you want to 
send us recommendations uh, or even just like send us anything. It's romancesdeadtome at gmail.com. And I will respond to every single email that we get. So please send me an email so I have something to do while I'm at work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we will be posting an episode, I think every Friday, right? Is what we decided, Murphy? I would like to at least for sure. Awesome. awesome. So we'll be posting a new episode every Friday. So make sure you look out for that. And that is all I have. Murphy, you have anything else? Uh, no, I hope you all enjoyed and enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.